Hey, here we are, Resurrecting Our Freedom, Dr. Fred, Dr. Doug, great part, good look, he's the good looking one between us. And you know how we start this, gang, and we're very, very excited to bring you a whole new shift in consciousness and awareness as to what's really going on today with our guest today, but check this out, we're starting with the preamble. Are you ready, we the people? That's all of us, that's you guys listening of the United States doesn't feel so united anymore. In order to form a more perfect union, I think that perfection left a little while, while, quite a while ago, establish justice. I don't know, defunding police doesn't work too much. Ensure domestic tranquility. Well, we got kicked off of Southwest Airlines last night, or uh, last week, that wasn't, wasn't very tranquil. Provide for the common defense, promote general welfare. You know, they're starting to lock down businesses again. We knew that was coming. And secure blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity to, to uh, sorry, do ordain and establish the Constitution of the United States. That's what this country, the beginning of what this country was founded on. And that's what we want to talk a little bit about today and a heck of a lot more. So we'd love to welcome you. Thaddeus Kaczynski, I met you at FTBA, Freedom to Be the Breathe Agency. That's a movement that is an educational and advocacy movement to bring back the God-given human and constitutional rights in this country and in this world. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on, Fred. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, I read your resume because you came into our group and I read your resume and I'm like, oh my God, did this guy live three lives? <laughs> like, I thought I'd done a few things in my life. And I'm like, I, I feel lazy now. <laughs> so uh, why don't you give a, an overview basically of who you are, uh, the things that you're involved in and, and what brought you to where we are today? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a teacher. Um, I see my vocation as uh, using the classroom for high school and college age um, education in, um, in, in the truths, the most fundamental truths of existence. So I study philosophy. I have a PhD from Catholic University uh, in philosophy. I have a, a master's in liberal arts and the great books from St. John's College. And my bachelor's was in comprehensive science pre-med. Um, I moved away from the sciences. I got more interested in philosophy. I see it as a more powerful tool for knowledge and experience and awareness and, and raising consciousness. Uh, philosophy uh, gets at the most fundamental principles of reality, and it knows them for sure, and it can communicate those, and we need to be grounded in those. So I'm, that's my passion is uh, liberal education, philosophical, theological education, um, just in terms of institutions, my, my last uh, longest place was Wyoming Catholic College for 10 years. I was a professor of uh, philosophy, theology, and humanities there. They have an integrated curriculum with no majors. Everybody studies the same uh, great books um, and gets a Bachelor of Liberal Arts. Uh, and I was the academic dean for the last two years there. And um, I'll be uh, taking a job uh, as, as a high school teacher uh, in theology uh, pretty soon. And I'm married with three children. My wife is also a teacher. Also, I met her at St. John's the first day. Uh, we're both studying the great books, and we met there. And, first um, day. Didn't take, you didn't waste too much time. No, no. She was, she was the one. And, um, <laughs> and so uh, we developed a great friendship in, in studying these books together. And then, and then we, we got married a couple of years later. Um, and um, I got involved in my local town here 
San Luis Obispo because I, the, sh the shutdown was happening. And I recognized immediately that how counterfeit this was. And this was an overreach and governmental tyranny. And I have some training in political philosophy. And I understood that this is not the way that um, good ordered politics works. So I got involved in that uh, with the leadership there. And I've uh, been to rallies and given, uh, given a speech at a rally um, there. And um, I've also given interviews on, on, on some internet radio about uh, COVID-19 tyranny, I call it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm happy to try to, uh, to, to try to work locally, uh, and also greater than locally, uh, to, to combat this evil that we're all facing and to, um, get people to understand, you know, that we're not dealing with something that's, that's just out of the blue. There's a sense in which what we're, what we're, what we're facing here, what's happening to us is a planned, uh, event and it's also uh, logically follows from some certain false principles, false values, uh, false understanding of, of the political and cultural and the theological. So we can get into all that as well. Well, there you go. Let's let's jump right into it then. Can I, can I ask a question for you? Okay. I have a question for you, Thaddeus. I'm always curious about this. How, at what point did you kind of wake up to the notion that this isn't what we thought it was or we were being told it was. Because I'm, I'm very fascinated by some people, the scales are still proverbial over their eyes. Yes, and yes. Yet some people can see it. And so I, I'd like to know the process by which the scales came off your eyes. You go, wait a minute, what I'm hearing and what reality is are not congruent. Well, I w I've been aware of um, the tendency for um, government to the U.S. government to promote a kind of centralized, coordinated propaganda to cover up its crimes. I've been studying that since 9-11, the 9-11 attacks. And so um, I recognized a couple of years after those attacks that the story that we were given about those attacks had flaws in it. It wasn't, it wasn't based on reality. Um, and of course, the internet helped very much in, in, to show me that. Uh, I saw it as a form of scapegoating um, and governments uh, do this kind of ritual uh, scapegoating with, with a violent attack and then blaming it on um, a certain group of people uh, for the sake of some other agenda. So I saw that and I recognized that the government was capable of such coordinated propaganda and in traumatizing the populace to such an extent that the, that populace could be programmed with a script to tell them what they're supposed to think about it okay and so when i when i noticed what was happening with the covid I, my antennas were were sensitive to this so the first thing that was pretty obvious to me was the fact that the shutdown was simply illegal it was it was lawless okay this wasn't something done by consent by deliberative process by the right political authorities on the ground in the local areas this was done by fiat uh through a kind of tyrannical uh you know, usurpation of power, and it was, it, it had no force of law, okay? And so when something is done outside of the sacred law, and law has a certain sacredness to it, if it's done through right process and deliberation, um, you know, even though, you know, laws can be flawed and, and they might not be the best, but there's a certain kind of reverence we have to have for for settled law. And, and, and the first thing that, that you know, 
captured my attention with, with, with the shutdown here in Central California was the fact that it was lawless. And what, what, what really shocked me was the uh, tendency for, for people to obey it, like not resist it, not question it, uh, just give in to the fear and obey this lawless authority. And that got me very worried. So I have a very fundamental question, but just might be a question in the, in the listeners' minds. What made it lawless? Was it there was no science to back it? Was it that there's no constitutional, it infringes on rights or? Um, well, does the, I mean, I, I'm not a legal scholar, but, but the, to have a governor unilaterally, Governor Newsom, uh, command all businesses to, to stop. Uh, in other words, buying and selling and exchanges are a fundamental human right. It's protected by the natural law, protected by um, God-given right to earn a living, and the sovereignty of, uh, of a business, of a family, of a kind of a voluntary exchange uh, system is, is not something the government has the right to simply shut down. It just doesn't. Okay. Um, and I sort of knew that. I sensed that. This was not done through the, the legal process, through the deliberative right. process. This, and a governor, you know, as the governor just admitted, right? What did he just admit? He just admitted that he has no authority whatsoever uh, to mandate any individual to wear a mask. Okay. He, he, and, and I knew that from the beginning. And so the same with the shutdowns. And he's only admitting that now because he's facing heat with lawsuits. But um, yeah, I mean, a legal scholar could say it, but I did some research on the legality of the thing. And after my research, I recognized that this was a, this was lawless. This was an overreach. Now, of course, he had no clue this was the best uh, plan of action. Um, the, the, the local health, the person in charge of the local community, okay, knows his or her locale much better than the governor okay so if there's going to be any restrictions or any change in the economic exchanges and and um sort of uh, protocol that's to be done by the most local level okay that's called subsidiarity that's a that's a very uh stable principle in what's called catholic social teaching subsidiarity says that the agency that's lowest and closest to uh the issue has the right and the responsibility of, of having authority and power over that, over that locale. So like a family, a family has subsidiarity, right? The, the mother and father have authority in that. In that. If, if, so if, if, a, if a local, you know, ordinance or mayor or, you know, someone tried to interfere with the family's own job, which is raising children, educating them, uh, providing sustenance, that would be a, a breach of subsidiarity. Okay, the only time that you'd have that breach is when there's an, a, a definite abuse, you know, happening in a family where the child, uh, the family is not doing its job. It's abusing the child and therefore the child can be put in an orphanage, right? Of course, that's going to be not good for the child, but it will be better for that child to be now in the state than in the family who's now derelict. But if the family is in good order and is doing its job, to have like social services come in and wreck that family, which has happened all over the place, the United States, that would be a breach of that principle. So yeah. the, the, there's a sense in which what Newsom was doing was breaching subsidiarity. 
as as well as the Constitution and and California law well, and the you know yeah. This is governors all over the country, right? This is oh sure. We're using Newsom, but you know Cuomo's probably the worst one. And oh, uh, Cuomo's you know, guilty of uh, he's he's guilty of murder. I mean, in yeah. my opinion, by putting yeah. the uh, the the old people together with the COVID. I mean, there is so much crime that's been done uh, in the response to the so-called COVID pandemic. And I'm very skeptical, of course, that this is actually a pandemic. I'm very skeptical of that. Yeah, so I, go ahead. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I wanted you to, I, you know, go ahead. just for what people thought, well, what, why is that unlawful? And, and you definitely, you know, like you said, it's subsidiary, you know, if family's not healthy, someone else comes in. And if they're not healthy, someone else comes in. But it's yes. a below-up system. It's not an above. Yes, system. yes, it's a hierarchical, bottom-up system, not top-down. Right. And the problem, the problem with our the Constitution, um, you know, is helpful, and it 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 does not it does provide for um, some the subsidiarity, and and it does provide for the states, for instance, to have some autonomy. Uh, but it's not a perfect system because in the end. Um, you know, the, the, the problem with liberalism and, and, and liberal state, the nation state, is that it has a monopoly on the use of coercive power, this big S state. So religious communities, educational communities, families, um, you know, uh, voluntary organizations, what's called mediating institutions, churches, uh, uh, economic uh, institutions, whatever, cultural institutions, none of these no matter how hallowed and old and no matter how much customs they have in the, in the community, they have no power whatsoever uh, to, um, to act politically in a way. They're, they're, they're under the state. They're, they're under this. So the state has this, arbit this ability arbitrarily at any moment to kind of coerce its citizens. And for you to have any recourse, you have to use the state to have this recourse. But that's not necessarily the way it should be. Um, and so, the, the, so what I'm getting at is the, the, the centralized monopolization of coercive power that um, is, is in any liberal democratic state is, is very precarious and dangerous. And you could see that it is because how easily, quickly did it lead to what we have today? No, nobody can resist this. We can't resist it. I mean, we could, we could, we could have podcasts and we could write articles and but look, look at how much damage the governor has done and all these governors have done. And there, was, there wasn't any effective resistance. And that's that, that, very thought. Yes. That's what I, I'm freaked out, not by what the state, because, you know, there's always a battle between liberties and liberalism. Yes. What freaks me out is the willingness of a free society to not even begin to ask questions. Yes. When we cease to ask questions, then we allow a centralized state to take over. And that's what's going on right now. Oh, you're allowed to ask questions about gender and what marriage is and if there's right and wrong. And uh, you're, you're allowed to question uh, whether there's purpose in life or if there's even a soul. And any, any, any questions that subvert traditional metaphysics and theology, they're not only allowed to be allowed to be asked. You're you're actually like like forced to almost doubt these things. But if you doubt uh, the government official government narratives and their edicts uh, when they're acting in the name of of 
your health or safety, right? There are there is no questioning whatsoever of that, right? Um, and 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 so you know you have to ask yourself, um, what's happened to our culture? Why has our culture become a a culture of answers without questions? And it's the kind of answers that put an end to all questioning. So one of the things I specialize in, in in education is what's something called the Socratic method of education. You may have heard of that. It's it's the use it's the use of um, sort of a, a dialogue, conversational, questioning way of teaching to um, enable students to recognize what in their present frame of understanding and awareness is deficient, contradictory. Uh, out of touch with reality. Not so much that you tell them what those things are, but they discover it for themselves. And then they learn how to use questions to interrogate reality herself in order to find reality and truth. So it gives, it gives individuals a kind of power, the power of reason. And they have a confidence in, in, the, in the ability of them to not only, not only to get answers, but to ask the right questions about reality to get those answers for themselves without the need of an external authority, an expert, uh, or a teacher. And I think we have a, we have a culture of, of, of people who, who literally don't know that they have a soul that is capable of encountering reality in the deepest way and knowing it. They are dependent on their teachers, their experts, their cultural norms, their woke culture, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's, that's the real um, uh, tragedy that we're seeing. You know, you mentioned, you know, I have to say my partner here, what's going on with your brain right now? Because this is what he teaches. Uh, I was wondering what your thought was. He teaches uh, the ability to communicate and to allow for communication through really asking questions. So this man teaches us around the world right here. That's great. Yeah, it's all good. It's helping, you know, make it their idea, right? They tend, they tend, it tends to anchor in them a little more to, to put that fundamental. Yes. Yes. So um, now when we talked about you coming on here, you're talking about, and I'm not maybe using the right term libertarianism and, and the trend and how, what you've seen the, the, uh, model that's been used and and how it's being um, enforced today and where that ends up going and involves yes you know relinquishing or I'm sorry eliminating God and and so you see there there's a model that's being used today that fits into everything that's happening so can you kind of go through what those beginning yes. stages are where we are and where it ends up yeah well so the, 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 I think the essential uh, issue here is the nature, purpose, meaning of freedom. Okay? And so put these two terms together, freedom and the good, or, or and freedom and truth. So what's the relationship of these? Um, so in 1995, there was a court case, Supreme Court case called Planned Parenthood versus Casey which was a case that had to do with abortion rights. I believe it had to do with the parental notification for abortions. So, you know, kids in schools could go get an abortion, a woman uh, without their parents being notified. Somehow that was a right. Anthony Kennedy, a Catholic, by the way, uh, came up with a, a kind of like 
passage that, that was in the, in the, um, the write-up for the court case. And it was something like this. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's concepts of existence of the cosmos and the meaning of human life. Okay, so just consider this for a second. Um, what liberty means, and this is the liberty, by the way, to abort a child now, is the right that you have to define reality. Okay, so, so not, not to discover reality, not, not to be in contact with a reality greater than you, but for you to kind of autonomously, as an individual, decide with your will you know, what reality is. Now, obviously, you could see this happening um, in our culture, right? Especially with, with, with gender. Gender now has no reality. Marriage, there is no such thing as marriage. Um, it could be anything you'd like, depending on your desires. Um, if you define a, a, an unborn baby up to the minute of uh, delivery, you could define that baby as not being separate from you, not being him in person, therefore you could murder it. Um, you could define sexuality any way you want. Uh, it has no connection with uh, a purpose and end. Um, it's all subjective, privatized, relativistic uh, morality, in quotes. And here you have the Supreme Court kind of giving almost like a, a sacred constitutional, uh, you know, almost religion priest-like aphorism, you know? I mean, and so that tells you a lot about our culture and about the meaning of freedom. Okay. Um, you know, the, what we think of, what we think as freedom here is the unencumbered capacity for the individual isolated, autonomous, unrelated to anything or anyone without an intrinsic purpose or goal, without a, a kind of meaning for that individual to simply assert its will, uh, you know, arbitrarily, and everyone else has the right to do the same, okay? And so what, we, what we've done with that notion of freedom here is disconnected it from reality, from truth, from the good, from community, from, from history, uh, from purpose. I mean, it's, it's a recipe for tyranny because when you have that kind, those kind of individuals, uh, who's going to arbitrate their... Uh, their little battles with freedom. Who, who's going to decide where their freedom uh, begins and ends? The state. And how is the state going to arbitrate it? By what metaphysics? What theology? Uh, is it going to arbitrate it from truth? No, it's not. It's going to be just as arbitrary as the freedom it's giving its individuals. It's just, it's going to be just as irrational, okay? Just as um, tyrannical, okay? Because the state itself is, is disconnected from from its own culture, from its constitution, from its people, from its national soul. Um, and, and so here you have a, a recipe for totalitarianism. What looks like freedom and uh, a kind of utopia where everybody could do what they want and believe what they want and religious freedom and moral freedom and we're getting away from the old days. Um, what looks like that is actually um, in, the, in truth a recipe for a kind of um, uh, infinite you know, asymptotic increase in state power uh, because the state has to increase to make, to, to, to uh, guarantee these so-called rights. And let me just say one more thing. You know, the BLM movement is very uh, emblematic of this. The BLM movement is supposed to be this crusade against racism, but you ever read their, uh, 
Do you ever read their, their, their stance, their, their manifesto? It's all about gender. It's all about uh, uh, sexual liberation. It's all about destruction of the uh, nuclear heterosexual family. It's all about Marxist deconstruction of uh, American uh, fam you know, family-friendly culture. It has nothing to do, ultimately, with, with racism. To me, that's a cover for a kind of attack on the order, the logos of things. Uh, it's an attack on, on, on the, on the um, fundamental principles of, of human existence that we've known for thousands of years. It's nihilistic, Marxist, and right from the pit of hell. Okay, and the racism thing is just it's kind of cover because every nobody's a race, nobody wants to be racist, right? You got to be on the right, on the right, uh, right side here, of course, of course. But it's not what it seems, it's not what it seems. It's really just this sort of like radical liberalism, uh, and, and uh, what I've been mentioning this notion of freedom as freedom from freedom from any constraint whatsoever, even the constraint of reason, the constraint of goodness, the constraint of love, where true freedom is always freedom for something. There's always an antecedent uh, context for freedom. Freedom for what? What are humans freedom for? What, what are they free for? They're free for happiness. Well, how do we achieve happiness? We don't achieve happiness by arbitrary actions at the whim of our passions. We achieve happiness through ordering our passions and desires under reason. And that reason is the reason of the universe. It's the logos in the Greek, the order of things. And if, and if our freedom is not attached to and directed by our purpose as humans, our souls, what, what's good for our souls, and in the direction of love, then our freedom is then is arbitrary license, which could only lead to misery and chaos. So how do you see all this? I mean, obviously you've really just described what's going on in the world. So, and you can see you're definitely a philosopher. There's no question. You know, that was, that was extremely philosophical and extremely enlightening. I'll so, try to bring it down to earth. Yeah. Let's put the rubber down to the road. All right. on how that's yeah. happening today. Well, um, so who, who are the people who are resisting the masks, who are skeptical of the scamdemic, uh, the plandemic? Who are those who are not allowing uh, their businesses to be shut down? Who are those who are standing up for their rights, their good, their good, the rights of their family, their human dignity, the good of their souls. Who are these people? It's the remnant of people in the world who, who, in spite of everything I just said, in spite of poor education, enlightenment, rationalism, secularism, materialism, in spite of the uh, vicious culture we live in, which promotes, um, you know, deviance and mindless entertainment and careerism, and money-making and mammon, in spite of all this, these, this cultural decadence, these people are still connected to their source. That's what's giving them their strength and power to resist, okay? And so um, I, I guess what I'm saying is as the forces of liberalism, of uh, state totalitarianism, the, these oligarchic elites uh, who see everyone else as inferior to them 
to be preyed upon and to be used like batteries. And The Matrix was very prophetic, by the way, that movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all being turned into batteries in a sense, right? Um, uh, we're, we're all being turned into um, hosts on which these parasites can feed. That's what they want. That's why they're shutting down businesses. That's why they're shutting down, um, you know, community life. And that's why they want the social isolation, the mass. It dehumanizes, it depersonalizes. Uh, it makes us all into um, uh, zombies, okay? Well, I, I, what I'm getting at here is, is they're acting on principles, um, psychopathic ones. Liberalism was just a shell game for them to isolate each other from everyone, get them into um, believing there's no moral reality, that they're their own gods. And once people are separate from each other and they have no sense of their connection with the higher reality and the participation in that reality, when they're isolated in their own passions and their own solipsistic universe, then they're, they're prey for, the, for these government tyrants. And those, those who've uh, achieved liberation and awareness are the ones who somehow have overcome that conditioning. So what, what I'm trying to say is that the liberalism that is supposed to be um, uh, liberating for every individual was never that, okay? Um, sexual liberation, for instance, is a form of political control. Uh, sexual liberation, uh, what I mean by that is, is, is taking um, the sexual act away from its proper place in, in marriage and, and a lifelong commitment in the family and making it an end in itself of pleasure. All that does is cause uh, the masses to become subject to their passions. And if they're subject to their passions, guess what else they're subject to? They're subject to those who know how to incite those passions. And so there you have a recipe for political control using liberation. So if you look at that as a kind of a, 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 an archetype of, of, you know, the whole thing, there's different, all, all the, you know, what sexual liberation was, was taking away a very uh, important sacred uh, um, part of our lives and, and um, cleave it from, from the, the purpose of it, cleave, cleave it from its, its, uh, its, its communal purpose, its religious purpose, its, its purpose for the soul and make it an end in itself. Um, and there you have, again, there you have the, the promotion of pornography, right? Um, uh, that, that's part of political control. There's a whole movement now of young people uh, who have recognized this, that they've been controlled and manipulated by pornography. And they, and they recognize that this has been like, uh, they've been deceived and they're fighting against it. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful that there's some resistance. I've been part of it. I've been trying to um, make it more. Um, and I think that people have to recognize though that this, this isn't merely just um, a kind of spontaneous, tyrannical situation of certain bad people. In a way, what we're dealing with here is a kind of logical uh, entailment of these very principles that maybe in the past we would have promoted ourselves, but now we realize it's coming back to bite us, you know? So what I hear you saying is we're tantalized by what we assume to be certain freedoms on this end, and yet in reality on the back end of that, we're actually eliminating our freedoms. So there's- That's right. Freedoms here, but yet the end game is actually the restrictions of freedoms. Yes. Um, so, 
you could just just I think the sexual liberation one is pretty clear. You have broken marriages. Well, just okay. Just look at the BLM thing. Okay, what's the what's the real reason why uh, a lot of the black population is suffering so much? Is it really racism, or is it broken homes? Okay, is it fatherless families? What is it? Eighty percent now in some inner cities, illegitimate children. Eighty percent of children born are illegitimate. What does the lack of a father do? A good father to the soul. Of a, of a child, especially a young boy, it, it, they do not understand that the world itself has a father, the eternal father. They Psychologically, they grow up without a sense of protection, without a sense of purpose. Now, I know a good mother can do a lot, okay? I'm not saying that's not the case, but there's something about fatherlessness that has led to an epidemic of crime and drugs and violence. Okay. Now, do you think that fatherlessness was just a chance occurrence in the black community? Or do you think that there was a vested interest in destroying that community to, to, to manipulate them and control them through welfare, especially the Democratic Party? I think it was. Um, we know that, the, that they, they, they um, put crack into those communities. I think that was sort of like a, a deep state operation in the, in the 60s and 70s. So the, they, the people who sort of know how to control us know exactly that if we ourselves in our souls, in our consciousness, are separated from the moral order, the moral order of the universe, which, which in obedience to which leads to our ultimate happiness, both in this world and next, if, we, if we're educated out of that connection, if we're fooled into disbelieving it through moral relativism, uh, into uh, if if we're if we're seduced into betraying the moral order by 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 giving into a life of licentiousness, especially in the sexual arena, we're sitting ducks for control because we don't have that interior compass. We've lost it. Okay, and so now we're dependent on external things, uh, and and you see that so much in in some of these uh, inner city communities. But of course, this is rampant everywhere. Uh, every race is just as susceptible as any other one to these to these uh, lies uh, and deceptions. Um, and so, um, um, so a return to truth, a return to a nature, an understanding of the good. Um, how many people, if you were to ask them, young people, what what is the nature of reality and goodness and happiness, and how do you achieve it? How many of them have any clue what that would be? Or, and how many of them would just give back kind of uh, pre-digested answers? Well, I want to make a lot of money. I want to get a good career. Uh, it's, all, it, it's always going to be in, in terms of money, material things, uh, power, um, or it'll be in some kind of moralistic term where they could feel like they're part of a woke culture and give, that gives them purpose. But it's, you know, they wouldn't say, I want to know God and love him. Uh, I want to become virtuous and holy. I want to be a saint. Uh, I want to fulfill the purpose that God has given me in my life, which is to serve out of love others and build up uh, the kingdom of goodness on earth. I mean, how many uh, are going to be saying that? They don't know what their good is. And so they're sitting ducks with, with fear. So when fear comes... And this is a pandemic of fear. This is a plague of fear. This is not a plague of a virus. This is a plague of fear. Uh, 
um, they are susceptible to that fear because they've made the state in a sense into a kind of God. And whatever that, you know, that priest says, Fauci, these technocratic priests, whatever they say one day is different from another day. And they're being conditioned to obey these expert authorities um, in a knee jerk way. And they've lost control of their souls and minds. I mean, I, I, I feel like when I go out to the store and I talk to people or if it's on social media, that so many people have literally lost their minds. I mean, it's like zombies. Oh, well, I was having a conversation saying, we need to wrap this up here in a minute. That, sure. And what people don't understand is, you know, my sister was asking me questions about COVID and stuff like that. And it's like, COVID is a vehicle. When you understand what's driving the vehicle, you're not concerned about COVID or getting sick. Because COVID itself isn't the problem. You that's know, right. it's not even a very virulent virus, but it's everything no. else that's going on, 5G, and we can go get all into that. And, yes. You know, that's yes. a whole other podcast. But it's like COVID is like a little small fire and everything else, take closing churches, shutting down your business, adding stress, breaking up the family, you know, and mandatory vaccinations and trying to, you know, it's all these other things that are like lighter fluid on the fire as well yes. as just an unhealthy community with food and all the things that we've going on with generations. So the whole thing is when you understand the bigger picture of what you're talking about with philosophy, mask is, is all about conditioning it has nothing to do with the virus. There's no science. That's right. Lockdowns are all about psychological conditioning. Yes. Social distancing is all about it's, psychological conditioning. It's, it's a, a good word for this is trauma-based mind control. Exactly. And they did, and they did that on 9-11 too. That, that, that was what 9-11 was all about. Um, and I think the end game here, um, well, one of the end games is whatever we say, whoever we speak in the name of the technocrats, Gates and the governors, whoever, whoever sort of takes on that, that role of, of the, of the priest of this, of the, of the secular satanic sacred, I call it. It's a satanic sacred. The priests say, whatever we say is the truth. Um, you do not have access to the truth just by your, your soul, your, your personal experience. You have to go through us. And even if the truth is harmful to you, you're not allowed to say that because you don't know what's good for you. We do. So we tell you to wear a mask that deprives you of your oxygen. I only, not only do I want you to obey this in, with, in a kind of resistant way, I want you to endorse it. I want you to own it. I want you to feel like you did this on purpose by your own choice. And then I want you to promote the goodness of mass to others. That's what we're dealing with here. People have lost a sense of their own dignity. Uh, and that's what these guys want, these controllers. And so how do you solve that problem? How do you solve that problem? The answer is to somehow um, embolden people, get them to repent of their uh, allegiance to that which is destroying them. And your guess is as good as mine how we're going to do that. I'm trying every day of my life here to try to wake people up. But I think a change in consciousness is the only way to do it. I think you agree. That's why you're doing your podcast. So. God bless you guys for your work. And I'm glad I could say some things that I hope will help people. Well, no question. And please share this. Um, you know, we're also in the, and, and Doug, we are the, the co-health officers in Freedom and Debris. We come with, with the science coronavirus as 
well as constitutional rights, and you come with philosophy to FTBA. So it really, this is through unity. So go to Free Them to Breathe Agency Facebook page, go ftbagency.com, because if you can be part of a group, this is so important that, that we're in a group together. Yes. We create a, they're, what they're doing is you're, they're using psychological herd mentality with us. So in yes. my opinion, the way to, to the way to offset that and disrupt it is with a, a herd mentality of power, empowerment, that's yes. in purpose, that's, that has a basis in spirituality. Yes, totally agreed. So. And we're going we're gonna to beat these guys. We're going to beat them. Oh, yeah. Uh, God's in control. All we have to do is be his docile instruments. And uh, God only tempts us uh, as much as we can take and only for our own good. He's allowing these freaks to do what they're doing he wants their conversion too um so don't ever give up hope uh keep yourself connected to your to to the ground of reality to what we call god um and and uh pray and um we're gonna beat these guys we're gonna unify together uh the sleeping giant is gonna wake it's gonna happen then those are great final words. My final words would be God always wins. And as long as you know yes. that, then if you're not an activist, you're a victim. So let's be an activist. Know that God always wins. And let's lead with love, unity, and spirituality. I'll just say that he is a light onto our path and a lamp onto our feet. So he gives us enough to take the next step. Praise be Jesus Christ. That's my Amen. last words. Amen. Hey, thanks so much. That is so, so appreciate your brilliance, your experience. And, and your philosophy and just a, a person who is conscious of your divinity and expressing it in this world. So thank you. Take care, guys. Thank you. Again. Right. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Resurrecting Our Freedom. If you also believe in upholding our constitutional freedoms, please like, subscribe and follow us.